Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to VinylAlbumCovers.com, The Front. Uh, my name is Ed, and as always with me is Dre. And before we get started, because we already know you're really going to like this video, go ahead and hit that like button at the bottom. Do me a favor. Do us a favor. We'd really like it if you would do that. Hit the bell too, so you can be notified when we have another video coming. And then comment too. It, it would be really interesting to hear what you have to say. We're going to talk a lot, but you're allowed to talk too. So. Uh, tell us what you think about what we're going to say. And above all else, share this thing around too. We're just getting started. We're brand new and we'd like more people to see it. So share it around if you want. It would be really helpful. Much appreciated. So now I'll tell you what we're going to talk about. So we just came up with this topic earlier today, or Dre did. This is actually Dre's topic. We're going to talk a little bit about artists that should have been bigger. You know, the ones, the ones that start out with a bang and then they kind of don't then nothing happens. Either nothing happens or not very much happens. Um, so we're going to talk about some of those. So I'm going to go ahead and open it up to you, Dre. What's the first one you've got? Um, okay, so we've, we've kind of mentioned her before. Um, we didn't go into too much depth, so I felt I can, you know, bring her up again here. Um, you know, I, have, I always go back, I always feel like this is the most tragic story in music, and there's been many of them, but for me, it always goes back to Tammy Terrell. Um, she was the one artist, I believe, that you know, like I said, you have like your Jimi Hendrix and your Tupacs and your, you, you know, Freddie Mercury, but they were able to put put out sizable enough of content where they were they were big, they made an impact, and you you know they had they had some longevity at least. I feel like Timmy Terrell never really got that outside of her duets with Marvin Gaye. Um, she I, she was on the cusp of being that person. Um, uh, all I do, we had talked about that song before, Stevie Wonder, nineteen eighty. That song was originally meant for Tammy Terrell, and she actually did record a version in 1969. It's I actually so have... good. Like, yeah, did I, did, did... so you share, Dre, I should yeah. tell you. So Dre shared it with me right after we talked about it in the other podcast. Yeah. And I listened to it, and I've heard other versions of that song before. Mm -hmm. And it's what's clear to me is that they weren't taking their cues from Stevie's version, they were taking their cues from hers. Because right. hers is more like, his is more kind of like four on the floor and yeah. hers is more shuffle. In yeah. fact, that's exactly what it is. It's a shuffle. And like yeah. Wayne Brady, uh, you remember Wayne Brady? He did a version of it that I think that I sent you. Yeah, It's you, pretty yeah. much a dead ringer for Tammy Terrell's version. And I've heard others too that kind of take mm -hmm. that same shuffle approach. So they were copying hers, which I thought yeah. was interesting. Like it's that's that, where they're getting it from. Yeah, a more slower version, but you can tell that says for Stevie, you know, that Stevie took that from that particular song, but it, yeah, Tammy Terrell um, originally sang that song. And I didn't know that until like 10 years ago. Um, I happened to run across it on, on YouTube. I don't know what I was doing, what I was looking up and I saw it. And so I clicked on it and I'm like, that's the Stevie Wonder song. Yeah. And yeah, and I, f I feel like that was supposed to probably kick off her solo career. It could have. I mean, even that, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's yeah, just, there you go. I'm just so glad that you brought her up because it yeah. could have. I mean, her version is very, all I do yeah. is think about you. It's and his live instruments, and the live instruments, the drums and, and you know, well, all that yeah, stuff. But, and Stevie's is just more just kind of, you know, four on the floor. All I do. Yeah. It's, it's very four, very straight. And hers, his was yeah. done afterwards. But I think yeah. her to my to my way of thinking anyway i think hers is just so much more interesting even though i do i do too love stevie's voice and it can't be denied in that version is still fire but i kind of mm -hmm. like hers even more because of the, the the not only the 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 arrangement of it and the shuffle groove of it 
but just the way that she sings it. I mean, she's got to be one of the most underrated female vocalists in history. She had it, like. Yeah, I was like, like, I always felt that her voice, man, she 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 blows Dan and Ross out the water. Uh, yes, most uh, people do, but yes, she does. Well, yeah, don't get me don't get me started on that, but uh, even, oh, I will. Even, I even even even, <laughs> even even like a Martha Rees or a, or a Gladys Knight, you know, and, and people like that. I just felt like Timmy Terrell. She she was she was that chick, man. Like her voice was undeniable. She would upstage Marvin Gaye, oftentimes. Like you know, your precious love and anything but the real, you know. But the ain't real no mountain high enough. He was right. hanging on for life at the end. Right, and, and Marvin Gaye is one of the greats, you know. Yes. And Tammy Terrell, she completely stole the show. I mean, okay. she was very just. a very, very distinctive voice. Um, you know, she was a very attractive young lady. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's just, it's just unfortunate, you know, the, you know, the direction that her life went, you know, she had a, a tumor, I, I believe, and she, I think she passed out on stage, you know, in Marvin Gaye's arms. And yeah. um, I, I always think what could have been with her more than any other artist, you know, um, you know, that I've ever, that we've come across that step that we lost too early, you know, I feel like she's the one that I'm always like, you know, what, what would have been like, what would her career have been like in the seventies? You know, she just, she gave us so little. And it's not her fault, you know, not like, at like all, you said. not even a little bit, but yeah. I mean, there's just, there's just so, there's so little, you know, and it's yeah, such a shame. And most of it, just as you, as you said at the beginning, most of it is in duet with Marvin Gaye and I'll take it. Right. But she is so much better than he was. <laughs> And the, and the funny thing is that prior to the duet stuff, Marvin Gaye was a moderately successful artist. You know, he had some hits. Yeah, he but did. But that, that was what really got him in the spotlight, though. Those he duets with Tammy Terrell. Right, right. That, you know, I think it was probably more that than anything that gave him the permission to leave, mm-hmm. like, uh, what was it? Uh, Ain't that peculiar and stubborn kind of fellow behind this kind right. of Motown assembly line pop and move yeah. straight into more you know, like more real material so, like that. I think that so, was what gave him permission to do it, frankly. And I, and I think that could have been, that would have happened for Tammy as well. I mean, just imagine, you know, in the yeah. 70s, we had, you know, we had Patti LaBelle, you know, uh, Gladys Knight, um, Donna Summers, you know, all these other, you know, female vocalists that came along in the 70s and just really blew up. And Tammy would have definitely been among one of them, you know, well, very see- soulful voice. She was, well, see, but that's a thing. I'm glad you said that because that's exactly mm-hmm. what I was thinking. Like, Mm-hmm. of all of those Motown singers. Like they all kind of had a sound and one wasn't that dissimilar from the other. Right. Tammy was a whole other thing because she was so much earthier mm-hmm. and so much more soulful, certainly much more soulful than Diana Ross. Right. Anybody, my cat is, but, um, yeah. sorry, it is what it is, kids. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but more so than, than, than Martha Reeves, though Martha Reeves was not a bad singer. Really good, yeah. Yeah, very good. Um, much more so than, than the Marvelettes were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a much earthier, much more soulful, much more individual, I thought. Right. Which kind of, it kind of creates problems when she's duetting with somebody because she's going to be better than they are. Yeah. And I mean, like I said before, like at the like by the time you get to like the middle eight of Ain't No Mountain High Enough, Marvin Gaye is hanging on for all he's worth. Yeah. I mean, if I, I don't know if you ever heard the, um, I had the privilege of hearing the multitrack some years ago. Okay. And with just her vocal by itself, by the end of it, she's screaming her head off. 
but it's so you can't tell in the track but she's really like she's totally letting go right and it's just it's so it's so good and like at the very end of it before he before they enter the final verse and my love is alive right there mm-hmm. at the end of that middle eight for those of you who are singers amongst us this will make sense but marvin gay was forced into his mix because mm-hmm. he couldn't do in full voice what she was doing even though she's up a third she could do the whole thing in full voice and he couldn't yeah he didn't have the chops to 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 do it and it's i'm not saying he sounded bad i'm not deaf he didn't sound bad no, no, no. having to make adjustments vocally in order to keep up with her and she was just sailing through with no problem at all so she yeah, was just it- a tremendous talent and, and it was very apparent, and even in some of her earlier stuff, before she even got a Motown, it was like, I Cried was really good, If I Would Marry You. Um, just just really good songs that are, just don't get heard enough. Um, you know, you know, obviously this early 60s, you know, um, I don't think she was even signed with Motown yet. I think she was still, I, I think at one point she was a, she was a groupie for Sam Cooke or, or something like that. There's a photo of them together in a restaurant, her, Sam Cooke, and some that. other people. Yeah, okay, and so... Cool. Yeah, but yeah, she has some really good stuff like like come and see me, um, you know, um, prior to the duets of Marvin, man. But yeah, I, it's just a, it's just a tragic story. Um, I hope that one day uh, we're able to get a little Netflix special or, or something of her, man, because she, I think her story truly deserves to be told, man. She was an amazing artist. They did um, an unsung on her, I think. Yeah. Did did, it, did they? I'm 95% sure they did an unsung on her because I think that's where we, yeah, they did because that's where I learned about just how hard that brain tumor was on her. And, you know, and, and it probably didn't help too that she was in some abusive relationships. You know, oh, David yeah. Ruffin, David Ruffin, uh, James Brown, prior to that, they dated, yeah. you know, and yeah, it's just unfortunate, man. She was just a very beautiful young lady, just a, just a kind spirit, it seems. And, you know, she got involved with the wrong people and, you know, by the time, you know, she got hooked up with Marvin when they were um, friends, you know, when they were singing duets together, it was probably too late at that point. But um, I'm was. glad that I'm glad that they're able to record together. And I'm glad that, you know, she she blessed us with that beautiful music before she did, you know, pass on. But, she did. Yeah. And it's it's interesting, yeah. too. It's like, you know, we all we always say and it's probably true. It's like, man, I wish we could have gotten more. Yeah. But it's like because she was suffering for longer than we knew. It's mm-hmm. like. But if she wasn't suffering, would it have, would we have gotten that greatness to begin with? Like, right. I'm, I'm almost wondering if like her, if her illness didn't inform the choices that she made, because I mean, think of it, like it's, it's mm-hmm. 2020 now and we're yeah. still sitting here talking about her. Yeah. 50 years later. Right. She did what she intended to do. She succeeded. She wins because yeah. we're still talking about her and because she's still exactly. memorable and ain't no mountain high enough is still played Mm-hmm. Uh, you're all I need to get by is still played. Uh, yeah, etc. If, if this were your mind, um, Luther, Luther, and Cheryl uh, Lynn took that song, and I didn't know that either until like five or ten years ago. You know, I I happened to be in the car listening to satellite radio, listening to one of those seventy stations, and I heard that, and I was like, "Oh, this is their song." And I was yeah. like, "That makes sense," because when you think of when you think of duets, Marvin and Tammy are the standard bearer of that, basically. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. But it just, she was just ridiculously talented. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think, I think she accomplished what she set out to do, even though she didn't right. to do it quite so fast. Mm-hmm. There's, and there's no way she can know, of course, 
but we're still talking about her 50 years later. There's something yeah. to be said for that. And it just, it speaks to the quality of the music that she gave us. And on some level, she had to know that she was on the clock. Yeah. She had, she, so she knew she needed to make it count and she did. Mm -hmm. So she wins. Absolutely. Absolutely. Completely wins. So I was kind of, you know, I wasn't, when you said Tammy Terrell, I, I, I kind of did a little bit of a list before we started and I wasn't thinking of this at first, mm -hmm. but since you said Tammy Terrell, I have to say Donny Hathaway. Oh yeah. Um, I yeah. just have to like, so, so Donny started out as little Donny Pitts when he was just a kid, mm -hmm. which frankly may have been the beginning of the problem. Um, but he was kind of shoved out onto stages and kind of, you know, did the dog and pony show thing for a while. As a kid, he was shoved out there by his grandmother. Um, and because he was good enough, he could do it. He could wow audiences even, as a, even, even at a young age. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, he went, to, um, he went to Howard, and that's where he hooked up with Roberta Flack. Um, but more importantly, where he ended up hooking up with King Curtis and was thereby then could thereby end up getting a deal with Atco, which is basically like the vanity imprint of Atlantic Records, same thing. Yeah. Um, which was the same label that Roberta Black was signed to. Um, but he put out, actually even before that, he did arrangements for all kinds of other groups. He, he, he was the staff arranger for Carton Records, Curtis Mayfield's record label. See, I, I never knew that. Yeah, it's, it's cool. There's a, there's a, a a single by a group called um, what's in a center stage. That's what it was. Uh, they did a song called Hey Lady. And on the back of it is every day is a fantasy. Every day is a fantasy puts me to sleep. It's not that good. But Hey Lady is great. Like it's just this uptempo major key thing. And he arranged the crap out of it. It's so good. And then he did with them. He did a version of the Bacharach David song. Um, are you there? Okay. Um, which Luther actually, and we're talking Luther covers, he ended up covering that some, some, somewhat later. Um, but it's just such a strange song anyway, but he threw the kitchen sink at it, Donnie did. Yeah. And it's a great arrangement. I have to send it to you. I'll even put a link in the description so, you, so all of you can hear it. Oh, yeah. It's just such a great arrangement. And, and the group itself was up to it. And for whatever reason, they only put out a few singles and then just kind of disappeared. But that's okay. kind of what Donnie was doing back then. He even ended up writing a tune for Woody Herman's orchestra, believe it or not. Interesting. <laughs> which, turned into, which was called Flying Easy. And if you're a Donnie Hathaway fan like we are, you will, you will then know mm -hmm. a couple of years after that, he had lyrics added to it and it became the Flying Easy that we know to be on Extensions of a Man. Okay. Which is a whole lot slower. Um, I'll post a link to the Woody Herman track too. It's bizarre. In, okay. a good, in a great way. Like it's good. You can hear the beginnings of the tune. It just isn't that effective that way. Right. Evans did the arrangement and it's much. <laughs> it's just very fast. It's not terrible. Yeah. But it's, it's not, that's not, that's not it. Um, I don't dislike it. It, just, it, isn't it. it should be much, much slower. Uh, I, I thought anyway, and Donnie's is much slower and it's much better. But, anybody, but that's what he was doing before he got his deal. And then finally King Curtis secured him a deal with Atco. And he was off and running. Everything is everything is my least favorite of his albums, only because he's still trying to figure out who he is on an album. 
Right. It was a little too all over the place. I think you, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, um, uh, 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 the ghetto is on that. I think. Yeah, I like that song though. I do too. It is yeah. good. Um, and there's there are a few other things that are good. Uh, Je vous aime beaucoup is on it, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's and it's not a mess of an album. He's just as anyone would, who is that full of talent and can do anything. Yeah. Like he kind of he's kind of like. He's, he's kind of like Jacob Collier before we got Jacob Collier. Okay. He could do you. anything. Like he had, t- he took orchestral conducting classes with Youssef Latif. Like he could do anything he wanted. And sometimes you find with artists like that, like I played you that cover of PYT. I sent it to you last night. Did yeah. Did you get a chance to hear it? Yeah, I did. I listened to that actually. What did you think? It was interesting. It was, yeah, it was different, but it's it a wasn't lot. bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of like he, Jacob, Jacob is much like Donnie in the sense that Jacob can take a tune and go too far mm-hmm. and break it. He broke PYT, completely broke it yeah, and turned it into his own thing. And it's a lot to take in. I, I like the fact that it's a lot, but there are people who <laughs> don't like the fact that it's a lot. And I understand why they wouldn't. Yeah. Donnie was a lot like that in that he had so much talent, he could break tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't, while he didn't really break much of anything on that record, he broke other things, um, but he didn't, break, he didn't break anything on that record. It was just, he was kind of all over the place. Yeah. Trying to figure out who he was going to be. And there's even some, um, some homogenizing going on too. Like, I have to be able to sell this record too. So it feels a little like that. Yeah. Um, and as a result, it, it, for, for, for me anyway, like that first album doesn't really stick with me that much. The second record does a whole lot better. I mean, we well, did. yeah. Please go ahead. I mean, you, I mean, you've got a friend. You've got a friend. Uh, a song for you. I mean, it's just you know, yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's a classic. It's a master. Like to me, I think we both agree on this. Donnie has the greatest voice in music, bar none. The end. Uh, yeah, yeah you've it. lost. You've lost the love, and and it's like, it's weird because it's music. It can be, it can be kind of depressing. But it's so hard to turn off. Yeah, you can't. You have to go there with him. You yeah. have to. I, I, st- like, I remember when I got Extensions of a Man, and I was late. I'm not going to pretend that I got it in 1973. I was born in 1973. The chances of my getting it then are very low. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I got it many, many years after the fact when I was old enough to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think this was... I think I got it in like 1994. I think that's when I ended up with it. And it was just a matter of my being in Tower Records and getting curious and seeing it and knowing that he was so influential. And I'm like, okay, so where do, I was thinking like, where should I start? And I saw the cover and the cover, vinylalbumcovers.com, what are you going to do with me? But I saw the cover and I I thought that was the best cover. So so I went with it. (laughs) Isn't it like the... What is that? It's like a the black font and then like the I don't know what color is that. It's like a not burgundy. What is that? Um it's like a it's it's like a like a like a very faint color. It's like a like it's kind of I can't I don't I can't think of the color at the at the top of my head. It's it's, it's basically a white cover with like a drawing of him. Yeah, and, and it, the black the, echo letters on top. Yeah, the black, yeah, the black font. Yeah. 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 
yeah, that's it's it's yeah, it's that's the it, I think it probably is the one that you're thinking of because there was also the one with him with kids and that was everything is everything. Okay. And then there was the other one with the second one with like the wall drawing that was right. Donny Hathaway. And then this third one is the one that was more like the more abstract cover, which I thought was more interesting. Okay. I think I'm, I think I'm thinking of the second cover then. You are. Okay. Yeah. This one was just very, it's, if it were, I mean, it is, it is, I think it, no, it's not virtually behind me either. It's on the shelf underneath it. But, <laughs> but at any rate, I was going to like try to look and see. But but it's not there. It's it's on the shelf beneath it. It's it's hard to get to. Um, it's not hard to get to actually. Let me just go ahead and get it. But right. if you because I, th- I think it should be fairly easy to grab. But if you if you if you look at the cover, it just obviously because vinylalbumcovers.com, of course, that's the one I'm going to go for every single time. In terms of just like the way it looks, I'm very close to it. I'm just fiddling through the H's. Um, it's, a, it's it's like it's like a pencil drawing like a it's like penciled in like his face yeah it is i can't right. um for whatever reason i can't find the actual album or the um like your standard one i have a quadra disc and it looked it was this see that's okay so it's like a white like yeah white but it looks like it's been kind of like discolored over time it look at, like it's been sitting out somewhere and the, and the white got discolored or something that's what it looks like well it, it it's just because this does yeah it's just because this is a press from this. This press is my age. It's okay. almost forty-seven years old, so it's not supposed to look this yellowed. Okay. Um, it just kind of does because of age, and the back is that. Yeah. I know it's reversed, guys. Sorry, but <laughs> but but yeah, that's it was it is white. It just that's how it came from the plant. It's just been forty-seven, almost forty-seven years. Right. Um, but yeah, so I I saw that cover, and I and it was mostly like there was mostly the lettering that did mm-hmm. it. Like I have to have it because it has the lettering on it. So, and I knew it was going to be good anyway because it had been so influential on so many of the artists that I loved. And yeah, I, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, I believe Aretha did a um, a remake of "Someday Will I Be Free." Um, it was a more gospel-oriented track. It was in the Malcolm X uh, soundtrack back in '92. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people have done that song. It's it's just, yeah, yeah. I think she that, did, she did "Young Gifted and Black" too. I think didn't she? Yeah, that was pretty but early 70s i think yeah yeah yeah. So that wasn't so that wasn't too far removed from donnie's version no no it wouldn't have been they would have been right on top of each other he didn't yeah. write the tune i think nina simone did oh nina, that that makes sense that's a, yeah that's yeah that's yeah, the one i left here, on my it list it makes perfect I, sense yeah. if you know her then yeah, yeah. i should i probably should have put her on my list too yeah nina simone yeah she yeah. is another one that just yeah ooh, she lived hard but yeah. so, but I, but I remember listening. I I made the mistake of, and you should never do this, by the way. If you have not heard Extensions of a Man, do not listen to it in the car the first time. It's a bad idea. Oh yeah. I'll tell you why it's a bad idea. So I popped it in the car, and of course, the first thing you hear is you hear the you know you hear the um, uh, the orchestral thing that he did at mm. first, which is good. I love the Lord. Yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. And it is, it is, it's all instrumental and it, it is good. And you really mm-hmm. hear his arranging chops and it's all, it's all done. It, it basically, it's broken. Like it, it doesn't, it, it's not proper arranging, but it's great. Yeah. It's so good. And then it, it segues into the greatest song I will ever hear in my life, which is Someday We'll All Be Free. That's my favorite mm-hmm. song of all time by anyone at any time. Okay. Um, nothing comes close to that. There's that song, and then there are other things well beneath it. Yeah. But I heard I had not heard it before, 
Um, it, it, it wasn't exactly played in my house. I'm a white guy. It wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but based on what we thought it was about at the time, we've had our thought, we've had our reasonings adjusted. Now mm-hmm. we know it was actually about Donnie and it wasn't about the African-American struggle at all. Right. But I can certainly see how it's used as such. Uh, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I remember I was driving home and it took from Tower to where I lived at the time, it took maybe 25 minutes. And I was okay. listening to the song in the car. And I mean, we've already, Dre and I have already talked about how much we love Donnie's voice. Um, and it was the first like real time that I'd heard it away from Roberta. Um, Cause of course we've, I'd heard the duets already because they were, yeah. played, you know, they were played in situations where I would have heard them, but I'd never heard him by himself before. So I was getting it all, this was all like firsts, so many firsts. And we got about halfway through the tune and I'm trying to drive. And I literally had to pull off the side of the road. I couldn't do it because I was mm. so deeply moved by the sound of his voice, by the arrangement. I mean, who throws a trumpet solo in the middle of an R&B tune? Yeah. But he did. Um, and I just, I'd never heard anybody sing so emotionally in my life. It was just, it was it is literally the most meaningful musical experience I've ever had being in the car that evening, just pulled off to the side of the road, just kind of letting it wash over me. And it, it, it brought me to tears. Yeah. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Uh, And even now to this day, so many years after the fact, sometimes when I listen to it, I have to be ready because sometimes it'll still get me because it's just so emotional. The end of it where he's just going off, like, and now that we know what it's about, like we know why he was doing it. Yeah. He was really trying to be okay. And he never would be, he would never find that. He was like, he was trying to convince himself that he would be free of this and it never happened. Was there ever like a reason why he was, why he got to the point or was it just something that he was just born with? Um, like was just something that happened during his childhood that kind of brought him to that point? I mean, you never, schizophrenia is generally my father's bipolar so i i know a little i know a thing or two about it but it's generally brought about by like outside stimuli something has to happen okay it really is i mean i guess there can be some level of predisposition Mm -hmm. but most often stuff happens you know like with my father his parents died very close together and he drank too much like that's enough to do it right there yeah um with him i mean if he's you never really hear about his parents. Yeah. Something funny went on there. He was raised by his grandmother. Um, so something funny went on there and it wouldn't be too difficult to, to leap to the idea that maybe that had something to do with it. Right. Um, but I remembered based on the unsung special, which I still have on a DVD somewhere over here. Um, but that it just kind of snuck up. And I remember they were talking about this time, I think it was, it was either in 71 or 72 where he was sitting in front of a TV watching static. Yeah. I've heard that before. I think we even mentioned it. I even mentioned it here once, Mm -hmm. but that's what that disorder does to you. It just messes with you so badly that you can actually be entertained by looking at static on the TV screen. Like that's just bizarre to me. Was he actually looking at it or was he just, or is he just off in his own little world? You know what I mean? According to Unsung, he was literally sitting there watching it. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. That's um, that's kind of that, that's kind of frightening. Yeah, it is. It's but that's that's 
I mean, the mind is so much bigger and so much more capable than it's ever given credit for. And you don't know mm. it until it all goes wrong. Right. And I, for a long time. Yeah. How was he with Layla? Like, cause I know, I know he passed away when she was about nine or 10. Like how was, how was that relationship like? No, I don't think she's really, I've never seen any interviews where she's gotten in depth about her relationship with her father. Obviously she was kind of young, so I'm not sure how much she would have been able to retain, but like, how was he with her? I don't know. She doesn't speak of it. Yeah. I don't think she's ever spoken about it. She's kind of, and she kind of, uh, she's the only thing she said is that there's like with regards to like, cause she's, she's covered. She did this cover of someday we'll all be free with take six. Mm -hmm. And it's good. Like it's a good cover. Mm-hmm. But it, but when she's singing it, and she has a tremendous voice. No shade to Layla Hathaway ever. Like mm-hmm. she has a voice for days. Another underrated artist. Very underrated. Yeah. But like, but she did the cover, and it felt somewhat distant. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that it would that she would have to achieve some distance between the tune and herself because of where it came from and what it was written about. Right. So it still sounded good, but that's about where it ends. It sounded mm-hmm. good. Um. But, but, but yeah, so, and the rest of the record was kind of the same way. And I was literally just stopped off the side of the road from beginning to end. I couldn't stop it. Just taking this whole thing in. And I remember by the time I was done with it, I was literally sitting there out of breath. Yeah. Because I mean, that, that album more than any other that I have will take you on a ride. Um, It's just, it's quite simply the best album I've ever heard. It doesn't get any love, love. Love, 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 the slums. Dude, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah, I know it's, it's you. Yeah. Even, even Lord help me. Even Magdalena yeah. for all its tack piano craziness. What was yeah, the Lord, Lord help me. Well, that's, that was a B-side for, that's the boat. We talked about this before. Wait, wait, I thought that was the last, that's the last track though, that album, isn't it? You had the Rhino CD. Okay. That tells me exactly what you heard the first time. <laughs> Because that, because it had it had, the the last two songs on the Rhino CD are this Christmas, and then Lord Help Me, which was the B side of this, okay. the, the, this Christmas single when it originally came out on Atco. See, so but now I, thought, I know what you have. <laughs> I thought this I thought this Christmas was like prior to that though. I thought this Christmas was like you know like a couple years earlier. It was. It was done after okay. the Donny Hathaway album. Okay. But it ended up on the Extensions album on the Rhino bonus track version. Okay, I got you. So I, I picked you. your luck. I now know what you had. <laughs> but because and I got that after the fact. Oh, did you? Okay. I had the original, like the original Atco CD. All right. And since since got the Rhino CD and based on sound quality, I shouldn't have. Yeah. Because um, it doesn't sound as good. The original the original Atco CD is better. F- FYI, kids, um, for for sonic reasons. But it's just it, it's the record is just so all over the place. All right. And then, and if you listen to it knowing, like, this is the work of an ill man. I love you more than you'll ever know, too. Mm. This is the work of a man who wasn't well, who was in his mania the entire time. And just yeah. like, I want to do this and this. I want to do all of it. Like, yeah. I want to put it all on a night. He even said it in an interview that showed up on the back end of the CD called These Songs For You, which was a combination of live things. Mm-hmm. It was a Donny Hathaway interview at the end of it where he talked a bit about that record. He, he wanted to explore every music there was, just anything. Mm. He wanted all of it. And that's, 
what that record does. I mean, imagine if you will, like successfully doing that. He did it on one <laughs> album. That's crazy to me. Um, and then spent the rest of the decade kind of under the radar exploring country, and ex which he loved. He loved country music. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he talked about it. He mentioned it was kind of like the white side of the African-American <laughs> experience, which is blues, of course. Yeah. It's just, it's, he said that himself. Um, Makes sense. He continued to work. If you have those box sets, the Someday We'll All Be Free box set, Never My Love, he continued to work. Um, he just didn't do very much of it. And so by the time he got to You Were Meant For Me, mm -hmm. which is the worst thing he's ever done, it's, it's barely a song. It's a, you've heard the thing, yeah? <laughs> you Were Meant For Me. Yeah, yeah. It's a mess of a song. It's terrible. Do yeah. you like it? No, it's okay. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's not, it, it's, it doesn't have a form. Not that everything has to have a pop form. I don't care about that. But it just, it's just kind of all over the place. The lyric is nothing. It's not, it, it wouldn't even work on a Hallmark card. It's just not very good. He didn't write yeah. it either. Um, oh, dang it. I forget. Um, it's not coming. Maybe it'll come to me in a minute. And if I think of it long enough, I'll remember who wrote it. A Vegas <laughs> dude wrote it. Um, so he, uh, the guy is, a, he made his living as a Stevie, and still does make his living as a Stevie Wonder impersonator. Uh, there's a lot of those. We've discussed that before. Yeah, there is. It's plenty. <laughs> but he's, it just, as a songwriter, he makes a very good plumber. It just wasn't good. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you end up with uh, The Closer I Get to You, which is good as a song. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that even though he was in tremendous mental pain cutting the tune, so much so that he and Roberta weren't together when they did it. Really? He did her vocal first in New York and then the tape was mailed off to Chicago and he did it away from her. So they weren't together. That's a beautiful track. That's, that's one of those songs where I'll hear it and I'll immediately stop what I'm doing. And I just get kind of, I just kind of get lost in the song. I feel it's, 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 it's one of those songs. Um, I've always enjoyed the chemistry between the two of them. Roberta's voice isn't, isn't the best. Um, there's not a lot of range there. It's not very powerful, but it, it definitely complements his voice very well. It works. See, to me, like, it works in certain instances. On that song, it worked. Mm -hmm. And because she was well, she could kind of drive. Yeah. And, and she does. And still, it's just interesting to me that even though he wasn't anywhere near the height of his powers when he cut that song, it's still nominated for a Grammy. <laughs> It's a, it's a it's a great song. It, it's a really really good song. It's it's yeah. one of the greatest duets ever. It's really good. Agreed. And I mean, just the chord changes. I mean, it's very nearly jazz. Yeah. And the synth that old ancient synthesizer that just kind of pokes through the edges. And see, I think that's what gets me. It there's just it. it, it it's just a, in a lot of it's a, it's a quiet storm song in a lot of ways. Like just oh, the, whole, the overall vibe of it. Yeah, just I, yeah, it's, it's one of those. Yeah, it's one of those songs where I'm just kind of just I just get lost in thought just listening to it. And his vocal is still ridiculously good, right? Even it at is. that, and you can tell he's not okay anymore. If you know, yeah. if you did, if yeah. you don't know, it doesn't matter. But if you well, wasn't that that was released after he passed away, right? That was what, 79, uh, 80? That was somewhere. That was late 70s. No, that still 80s. existed while he did. Okay, because when was that song? That was, what, 78, 79? That was 
You're thinking of, I know what you're thinking of. You're thinking of uh, You Are My Heaven. Um, you're thinking of Back Together Again. Yeah, but what closer I get, that was, was that pretty close to when he took his life? It wasn't far. Yeah. He took his life in 80. Okay. I believe it was, I believe it was 80. Let me look, let me cheat. I'm just going to look because, yeah, it, this stuff matters. I, th- I want to say it was January of 80 when he took his life. Uh, let me look. No, 79. I'm an idiot. I'm wrong. Forgive me. Okay. Um, I was off by a year. In fact, January 13th, 1979, I was wrong. But the song came out a year before, so it did come out while he was alive. That much was Okay. Certain. And that was the first album he did um, since Extensions of a Man, correct? That, well, it, it, and he didn't, it wasn't a record. It was just the song. Yeah, that's man, that's He didn't do another record after that. That was the last yeah. thing that we got. We got live things after that, of course, that we now have, like the Bitter yeah. End thing, which came out on Record Store Day, which I have. And then, and other things too. And in performance, which was a live thing that, that came out mm-hmm. after he passed, but that was recorded while he was still working. It was kind of during his heyday, that brief period where he just couldn't get it wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah this is a good one because he didn't, there's just not a, he, he didn't give us a lot, but what he did give us was very impactful. Very it was like he, it was, it's another instance, like with Tammy. And then of course, by, by the time he cut those three tunes, that was intended to be another duet album. Mm-hmm. He just couldn't, bless his heart, he just couldn't do it. He got yeah. to, he did you, uh, uh, back together again is what it was. Oh, yeah, I remember that. He finished, he didn't even finish the tune. If you listen to the song, you know it's not finished. Um, Cause he just did, he basically did just two, he did two verses and a bridge, a repeating bridge. And that's all he did. He didn't, he couldn't finish the tune. And the story goes that he was in the studio working on it. And in the middle of it, he lost it, which happens to schizophrenics. He lost his place and flew into a, a manic episode and ran into ran to the corner of the studio and was just hunched in the corner afraid that the white man was coming to get him yeah i heard i think i've heard that story before yeah it's just i i I can't imagine what that must feel like worse what it must be like to watch it to see something disconnect like that he okay so he was he was born in what the mid 40s 45 i think it was so something i think so where where was okay where's he from originally i don't know i don't know this i should know this it's um wasn't was it Chicago? Yeah, Chicago. I was right, Chicago. I'm I'm cheating. So I wasn't no that, so, doing it either. It's gotta so be it wasn't so it wasn't the deep south, but yeah, something no, drastic must something drastic must have happened to him. Maybe I, I don't know. Something must have happened racially to his to his parents or something for him to go to an episode like that. I don't I don't know either. But I mean, yeah. it was, these were not unusual episodes, and I know that for a long for a lot of years his relationship with Roberta was fractured over it. Cause I, I mean, so. if you've ever dealt with somebody who has that stuff, mm-hmm. they, they will fly off into a rage and not even know why they're doing it. Yeah. They literally fly out of control. And for those of us who are around when it happens, it's tough to deal with to say yeah. that it's really hard. Cause it's hard to not take it personally because they want they're coming at you personally even if they don't know why they're doing it yeah so it's hard to not take it personally and they're doing it in an effort to control you they want control of your emotions yeah and it's like how do you even talk somebody off the ledge like that 
you don't, you can't. There is no such thing as talking because it doesn't make sense. So you can't yeah. come at it with logic. Yeah. You just have to wait it out. All you can do is just kind of be there. And then even sometimes if it's bad enough, you can't be there because then you're the problem. Yeah, you just gotta, yeah. You almost have to like leave and let them deal with it. Yeah. Um, oh, man. And he never came down off of that. So that song was never finished. And if you, and you notice if you listen to it, because Luther Vandross' background vocal arrangement just takes over. And it's even Roberta's not singing anymore. It's just, you get nothing but this long vamp of, of, of background stuff that, that Luther arranged. And it's funny because Luther did a remake of that too, him and Beyonce, uh, like years later. The closer I get to you, yeah, it did. Which, wasn't, which actually was decent. You know, I'd, I'd rather hear that version of Beyonce <laughs> than the version we get all the time now, but that's a, never mind. That's a different topic for, you know, another time. It's just, there's, there is only one the closer I get to you and you can't touch it. Like there, yeah, I mean, there isn't obviously you just don't go near. And that's one of yeah. them. Like yeah. don't cover Donnie. It's a mistake. Yeah, I agree. You suffer. <laughs> uh, we will laugh at you while you try. Just yeah. Don't, don't do that. Don't do it to yourself. You can't, you'll, you'll yeah. never measure up. No one can. Um, but yeah, he just, he never got back to the studio again. And then unfortunately, while he was in a hotel room in New York city, he flew into one of those episodes and he was alone mm -hmm. after he'd had dinner with Roberta the night before and did what we know he did Yeah, to try to escape the voices in his head. Yeah. Um, so it just, you, it, it's another one of those instances. Gosh, we talked a lot about this. This is like an episode unto itself, but it's like you, you look at that and it's like, it's very much the same kind of thing with Tammy Terrell that we got far less from her you almost have to wonder how much more we could have gotten from him yeah, where, yeah, else, where he might've taken us next, you know? Right. So, but he wasn't well enough and he couldn't do it. So that's, it's unfortunate. 